All right. Uh, well, uh, praise the Lord. Uh, we're going to be uh, primarily in Luke 15 this morning. Uh, I'll just open up in a brief word of prayer. Uh, again, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your living word. Uh, Father God, speak to us today through your word. Uh, Father, convict us, encourage us. Father, uh, uh, give us revelation, Father God, concerning the things that uh, are important to you, Father God. Open the eyes of our understanding. And uh, Father God, we will hear your word with humble hearts, um, willing to receive your truth and act on it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I don't know how long I'm going to do it, but I feel led to uh, focus for a season on the parables of Jesus. And uh, today I'm going to start with the, uh, the first seven verses of Luke 15. And as for a title, I have God's heart towards sinners. God's heart. Uh, towards sinners. You know, one thing that I have never forgotten, and it helps me stay humble before God, is that you know, I was a sinner saved by grace. You know, I, I can never forget the me I was before Christ. And I can never forget the me I was after meeting Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and how much work he had to do, uh, you know, to, to to clean me up and 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 conform me into his an image of his son Christ Jesus. That is still an ongoing work, you know. Sometimes it gets to a point to where we've been saved for so long, and 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 and, and we're in Christian circles and we stay in our comfort zones that that we kind of lose sight. Uh, of what it's like to be lost, of what of what life was prior to Christ, and we lose a little bit of that empathy towards towards the lost. You know, we're so focused on the law of God and who's not measuring up to it that we lose sight of the heart of the lawgiver. Does that make sense? And so, here we have, let's start here in verse 1, and we see, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners, and he eats with them. Now, you got to know that in that time, you know, I know I probably, it sounds like I give these guys a hard time, but the Pharisees really aren't necessarily bad dudes. They're going by an Old Testament mentality. They believe that, look, those guys are not in our fraternity. The sinners are, they're not a part of the group, okay? They are not favored by God. They've chosen their side. And that side is not the side of God, right? And so un unless they get their act together and start following God, then we want to have nothing to do with them because we don't want to be tainted by their sinfulness. We don't want to be infected 
by their sinfulness. And so it's out of that context that they're perceiving this situation the way that they are. I mean, look at this. This is tax collectors. And you know, tax collectors aren't viewed any better today than they were back then. So, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. But, but, but tax collectors were reviled back then. Tax collectors were, for example, uh, they were Jewish people. You know, they were among the people of God, but they were under Roman rule. And so on behalf of the Roman government, they are taking taxes under this harsh rule for the Roman government. And on top of that, they tended to take a little extra to pocket for themselves. And so these people were looked down upon uh, very seriously. But you have tax collectors and other various types of sinners, whatever it is that they was their sin of choice. But if you would, the one thing that drew me here, if you would with me here, is they drew near to him. Think about that. They're sinners, but there was something about Jesus that that was attractive to them. There was some life there. There was something that made them cling to him and draw him and draw into him. You know what the scripture says that if we draw near to him, he'll do what? He will draw near to us. And so we see this playing out here where these sinners and, and, and tax collectors are drawing near to Jesus and he's drawing near to them. You know, some of you might here today may, you know, may have a sinful, a very sinful past. Some of you may be struggling with sin right now. It's important that you see the heart of God through this parable. All right. He's not Pharisaic in the way that he looks at you. Okay, what he wants you to do is draw near to him. He looks upon you with compassion. He looks upon you as a loving shepherd. Okay, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but but uh, just bear with me, please. And so I just want you to identify with the people in this passage. Because there's people in your neighborhood, people in your home, people in your family, people on your job, people at your school, people in various areas of your influence and your circle of influence that are in that category of tax collectors and sinners. And, 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 and how does God view them? How does he perceive them? How does he regard them? And Because that's our cue for how we should see them, view them, regard them. And so... Here we are. And the Pharisees in verse 2 complained. This man not only receives sinners, but he's eating with them. And so, and I don't believe that they were mumbling to themselves unintelligibly, that they were whispering and that he just knew their thoughts. No, it says, it, I get every impression that they were saying this openly. And hearing that, Jesus spoke this parable to them. And it says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, 
does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. You know, he's not going to stop searching. He's not going to stop looking. He's not going to stop pursuing until he finds the lost sheep. And I think that's that's profound. That is the heart of God. You don't find him. He finds you. He's not angry ogre dad just going to sit in his Archie Bunker chair and just wait until Meathead decides to come to him. I know not everybody here knows that reference, but it's all in the family. Great show, man. I used to love it. But we have to concern ourselves with our image of God and, 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 and how we think he views us, okay? Is he up there with a hammer? Is he up there with some kind of tool waiting to bash us, waiting to, uh, uh, waiting to beat us down because of our mistakes? Or, or is he, or is his heart different toward us? And so he says, what man of you, I'll repeat that, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. God loves those who are lost. Are you hearing me? They're not the they, they're not the enemy, they're not whatever. God loves the lost. And it's comforting to me, based on this scripture, he started off in verse 4. He goes and leaves the 99 and runs into the wilderness or the open, depending on your translation, the open field. Um, He goes out and goes after the one until it's lost. So here we are, the Pharisees would see those sinners and be repulsed by them and do everything in their power to avoid them, to not interact with them, to keep their distance from them. So in other words, they're fleeing away from the sinners and Jesus is running to them. It brought to mind uh, like the heroes on 9-11 when so many people died and so many people are running from burning buildings that are burning towers that are collapsing. We had heroes who ran into the burning towers to save lives. And like them, Jesus runs into the chaos of our lives to save sinners. And that, that, that means more to me than you can know. To know that the Lord and Savior of my life, if I stray, he's going to come after me. Amen? Some sinners may be repulsive to us. 
but God is not repulsed by them. And you know, it's funny how we can be repulsed by somebody else's sin, especially if we don't have a problem with that sin. But when confronted with our own sin, it's, oh, well, you know, who doesn't deal with that? Here's a problem I have with that Pharisaic mentality. If we focus on people's sin so much so that with the law mentality that we can only see them as people that repulse us or that repulse God, then what about when you fall into sin? Don't you think that mentality is going to also turn, you're going to make you turn that mentality toward yourself internally to where you can't even approach God or you can't humble yourself for God for, uh, before God and receive his love because you view him as being repulsed by you. I'm just letting that marinate a little bit. There's a lot of silence there. and And I'm cool with that. But at some point, because none of us are perfect. No one is perfect. None of us, none of us go through life without struggling with sin on some level. And how do we deal with that? How do we how do we view God and how do we think God views us? It, 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 it matters a whole lot because we're in a relationship with him. And if we can't trust him, if we can't see him as someone who loves and cares for us when we need him most, my goodness, man, if we can't trust him, you know, there's a saying, no trust, no relationship. You know, if we're in a relationship with God, we're going to have to trust him that what he says is true right? That his love for us is what he says it is. It's boundless. It's endless. And that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Romans 5 verse 6 and 8 verses 6 through 8 say this, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the God that we serve. If he was repulsed by our sin, we would still be sinners and we would still be lost. He loves us so much that he did for us that which we could not do for ourselves. He left Jesus, left heaven. He put on filthy human flesh, being fully God and fully man, and went after us sinners. He laid his life down on the cross. 
And he willingly took upon our punishment. God punished him for our sins. Jesus took upon himself our sin so that we could be reconciled to God. Amen? I heard a minister say this once, and and it's never left me. You know, God didn't just forgive our sin debt. Jesus paid our sin debt. And because Jesus paid our sin debt, we receive the gift of salvation, the forgiveness of God, the salvation of God. Amen? And so in Jesus and through Jesus, all of us stray sheeps. I'm sorry. Sheeps is not a word. Stray sheep. <laughs> I, I, I felt the thoughts turning in your mind. I knew it. I <laughs> figured I corrected. <laughs> all of us were stray sheep. And through Jesus God pursued us in the wilderness. And he pursued us. And he pursued us. And he pursued us. He did not discontinue his pursuit until he got us. And when he found us, he didn't get angry at us. He didn't beat us down. He didn't take the rod or the belt and say, how could you? I can't believe you ran off astray. I can't believe you would do this thing. You know better. The word of God has been clear for generations. I cannot believe you did this. And so I'm just going to give you a dozen whacks across the head. Rub your nose in it to make you know not to do it again. Now, we sometimes we think like that, don't we? From a human perspective, sometimes that's us. You know, uh, as a parent, I'm just going to tell the truth. Sometimes that's me. I want to go there, but for the grace of God. But he didn't get angry. He didn't beat us down. You know, he doesn't say, look, you're going to pay for me having to come out here in this wilderness and go after you. What does it say? He doesn't do that. Instead, it said here, let me go back to it. What does it say that he did? When Verse 5, and when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. So, what did the shepherd do in this story? He picked up or lifted up the sheep that, 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 that had gone astray. He put it on his shoulders and he carried it back into the fold, rejoicing. So, when God meets us where we're at, where we're at, when he finds us, 
It's important that we know his focus. His focus in that moment is not angrily punishing you for ending up astray in the first place. His immediate response is rejoicing that he found you. Right? He's rejoicing that he found you. And he will lift you up. And he will carry you back into the fold with the flock. We're talking about the heart of the shepherd towards sinners. God's heart towards sinners. So that makes me think that God is not, and don't, don't get me wrong, God wants everyone to repent. God is not pleased with sin. But it, it tells me, I get the impression that he's not necessarily angry at sinners. He's filled with compassion towards them. It's like he wasn't angry at us when he gave his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross. He was filled with compassion with us. His, he had so much love for us that he wanted to be reconciled with us, right? And when he could have just wiped us all out and started all over again, he decided to redeem us. Pay the sin debt himself so that he loved us so much, he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to pay our sin debt. So that in him, he might forgive us, be reconciled to us, and we have everlasting life in him. That, that is the love of God. That is the love of our good shepherd. Amen? And Jesus is the good shepherd. John 10, verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now, uh, it kind of slipped my mind at the time, but I want to go back to it. You know, this one's always gotten to me a little bit, um, how sensible or nonsensical it is from a practical standpoint. I've got a hundred sheep. All right? Now, they made money off of it. This is a business. These aren't pets. All right. I got a hundred sheep. I got 99 in the fold, one went astray. Why in the world would I leave the 99 to go after the one? It did. I don't know if you've thought about it that way, but it doesn't make sense to me. From a practical standpoint, I've got a lot more money in the 99 than I have in the one. And what if in my pursuit of the one, I lose the 99? It doesn't seem rational, does it? It doesn't seem like it makes much sense, but I guess I just, the way I've landed on it is just because he leaves the 99, the 99 are settled. The 99, he leaves them safe. He doesn't have to worry about the, he hasn't abandoned them or forsaken them. 
All right? But they're found. They're in the fold. They're in a good place. And I would imagine being the good shepherd that he is, he surveyed the grounds. He's made sure that there's no enemies, no predators around that would uh, take care of the flock, uh, that would um, kill the flock. But I don't believe that he's saying the lost sheep is more important than the 99. I think it matters more to him that the lost sheep is that the lost sheep is lost and in peril. So much so that uh, I, I don't want to get into other parables because I want to. I, I want to. I want to leave them unto themselves. But I, I want to choose my words carefully here. Um, you know about you know about the prodigal son and how the older brother felt when the father was celebrating when his prodigal son came back, and he made it personal. He compared himself to his little brother. And said, you didn't do these things for me, and I've never left you. I've been faithful. I've been obedient. I've been a good son. And you've never, never had a celebration for me to party with my friends or kill that fatty calf for me. But but this young son of yours who went out and wasted all of his living on, wasted all of his money that you gave him on riotous living, he comes back after wasting all that, and you celebrate. And and the dad was like, look, we had to celebrate because he was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, and now he's alive. You know, he's like, man, you have to realize the peril that your brother was in. Your brother was on the pathway toward destruction, and he's been redeemed from that. Amen? And so everyone who is lost and by lost I don't want you to I don't want you to think consider the lost is only those individuals who've never come to Christ I want you to consider those who have come to the Lord but have gone astray as well are you hearing me Thanks be to God, we have a good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. So we have a good shepherd who knows his sheep, who laid down his life for his sheep. So if while we were still sinners, he died for us, he laid down his life for us, why wouldn't he still have that same heart to pursue us when we've gone astray?
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. We thank you, Lord. Why am I sharing this today? Everybody here knows that the lost need Jesus and everybody knows that Jesus loves the lost and and gave his life for him. But I want to put before you the heart of God toward the sinner because I want us all to guard our hearts toward sinners. If that makes sense to you. I want us to guard our hearts to where our hearts can be soft towards sinners to the point that we can see them as our Savior sees them. That we can look upon them with the compassion that our God, our Heavenly Father, looks upon them with. There is a passage that just came to mind, and I'm sorry, uh, Desiree, I did not give you this. I'm going to go there. Uh, I believe it's in Matthew 9. Around the 36th verse or so. Yes. Um, 35th and 36th verse. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Verse 36 is what I want to talk about. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. We're talking about the good shepherd here, right? So he's looking at these people, and he's what? Moved with compassion. Because these people were like sheep that have no shepherd. They're weary, they're scattered. They have no direction. They're just living in the carnality and flesh, and fleshly desires. They have no idea That God has a purpose and plan for their life. They have no idea that God is pursuing them. They have no idea who their shepherd is. And it's his heart to reveal himself as their good shepherd. To guide them. To lead them. To protect them. Just like he does for us. And so I just want to encourage us here as a, as a new covenant fellowship body. And I know your hearts. This body loves the Lord. This body loves people. And, and as a pastor, I'm ever mindful of the messages that everybody's getting via TV and radio and all this stuff, especially during election years. I mean, we have a great Christian brother running for office in Aaron Means. And brother, praise the Lord, man, we, we encourage you. Go with God, brother. Go with God. We support you and we bless you in the Lord. 
And, and, and we need good men and women of God, you know, willing to serve in that way. But we also have to be guarded because not everyone is honorable. Not everyone has our best intentions at heart. And there are messagings out there that would encourage us to objectify other people, that would, that would dehumanize other people, that would cause us to harden our hearts towards the ones that we are supposed to be reaching out to with the gospel of the kingdom. Are you hearing me? And we have to be careful. Uh, Proverbs 4 verse 23 says that we ought to guard our hearts with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Just think about that. You need to, we need to guard our hearts from the stuff that is antichrist and fill our hearts up with that which is of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want to, I want to love the lost as Jesus loved them. I want to see them as Jesus sees them. I want to be able to be entrusted by God to meet them where they're at and present to them the beautiful gospel of Christ Jesus, that they can go from feeling unworthy, feeling that they could never be accepted by God like those tax collectors and sinners to being face-to-face, meeting face-to-face with Jesus. As he lovingly confirms the truth of his gospel to their hearts, and they just break before him and humbly receive the gift of salvation that he paid for with his own blood in his own life. I'm I'm going to ask you all to stand. Second Peter 3:9 says that God is not slack as some count slackness, but he's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. And that's the heart of our God. And so, if you're here today and you view yourself as a sinner, You're among those, like one of the tax collectors or the sinners that the Pharisees were critical of. You know, maybe you've had an experience in the church from from a previous church that the scars have still been left there, and and, and maybe a friend brought you here, dragged dragged you here, kicking and screaming. You feel like. It, it, you feel like it's too late for you, that, that, that God has turned his back on you and there's no turning back. I want you to know that Jesus is the good shepherd that will never turn his back on you. 
I want you to know that that feeling that you feel, uh, you know, uh, I, I have compassion on it, but I just have to lovingly tell you that it's not based in truth. What, we sh- what was shared today is truth. Okay? Jesus is the good shepherd that loves you. He loved you enough to die for you, to pay your sin debt so that you could be forgiven. And that love never went away. And if you would but draw near to him, humble yourself before him, acknowledge that yes, you are a sinner. In need of salvation. You know, if you can humble yourself to say that, the next part is really easy because then you just have to confess that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead and you and 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 and, and surrender to him and declare him Lord and Savior of your life. You know, uh you may not feel any different in that moment, but at that moment, you are born again. You are a new creation. Old things will have become, you know, all things will have become old. You have become a new creation. Holy Spirit will come and, and, and reside on the inside of you and he'll begin to work in you that will begin to transform your life. And the evidence of the salvation that has happened will begin to work itself out. And you know what? Like it said in that passage, heaven will rejoice over you more than over 99 just people who need no repentance. The heaven will rejoice over your repentance, will rejoice over your coming to Christ. That's how much God loves you. Hallelujah. And if there, if there is someone uh, who is struggling in that area, I want to see you after this service. I want to talk with you. I want to encourage you. Um, and I want to help you. Help you establish your relationship with the Lord and, 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 and get on the good foot as far as walking with him. Would you pray with me? Father God, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much, Father God, for Jesus, the good shepherd. Thank you that you sent him, Lord. When we were weak, when we were helpless, when we were without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. Hallelujah. Every one of us here today who are Christians, every one of us here today who call Christ Lord and Savior, Father God, we were, we were once among those who were without strength. We were among those who were sinners when Christ died for us. I thank you that you rejoiced in heaven over every one of us when we came to Jesus. 
And I don't know how many of us have. I suspect nearly all of us. Uh, even after we came to you, Jesus, at some point we went astray. At some point we missed it. At some point we went into sin. And our names were still written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but we were in sin. All right. And there was a destruct, a path of destruction in our wake. And you didn't say, stay on your throne and say, no, I saved them once. They know better. Uh uh-uh. uh. I'm not going after them. I'm going to let them perish. No, Father, you went after each and every one of us. Hallelujah. You went after each and every one of us. And we are so humble and we are so grateful that you did so and you will do it every time because that's how good you are hallelujah that's how much you love us and let us never lose sight of that lord that even as we grow even as we fall you are there to pick us back up again and if we go off the rails you'll go pursue us until you find us and you'll put us back on the rails again Hallelujah. And just like you did it for us, for each and every one of us here, you will do it for those who don't know you yet out there. Because Jesus died on the cross for them too. They may talk trash about you now, but there will come a time when the rubber will meet the road and and they will be open and vulnerable. Will there be those among us who will be willing to present the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of your salvation to them in that moment. Meet them where they're at. Father, make us so that we're ready for that moment as vessels of honor fit to be used by you to go out into that field, go out into that harvest and reap it in Jesus' name. We give you glory and praise, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.